everyone, and welcome to the Cross-Border Interviews Live Election Night Special. It is 7.03, polls closed in Ontario, Quebec. Most of the Prairie Provinces, actually all the Prairie Provinces, including Alberta, in the next half hour. Before I do get into that, I want to say this. If you are in line at 7.30 when polls close, you still have the right to vote. So please stay in line, ensure that you vote, because democracy is in action today after 36 days of politicians telling you what they are going to do. It's your turn to tell them what to do. So with that, I want to say that polls have already closed in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland. Uh, At the last count, we are 24 liberals, eight conservatives, and yes, for some strange reason, one bloc Quebecois, because part of Quebec actually closes in the Atlantic provinces, not in the rest of Quebec. So we are leading and elected in one riding for the Bloc Quebecois. Um, There have been some big surprises. And with that, I'm going to bring in the person who is my yin to my yang, my political rival, as always, who comes on the show as the person who just gets my blood boiling when it comes to conservative politics. Miss Jen Sanford. Jen, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Chris. Thanks for having me. In some circles, we just call this the voice of reason, but that's okay. You can have all that other puffery that you will. It's good to be with you this evening uh, on this, the the culmination, the, the last round of the Hunger Games elect- oh. electoral 44. This election has been a gong show. The last 36 days have been unknown. Um, I, I just want to get, before we start talking about some writing results, I want to get your initial reaction. I know we can debate over the fact if the election should have been called or not, but we are in the election. We're on election day. How do you think the leaders performed? Uh, I think they all performed poorly. I think that that was sort of the engineering from the beginning. I think the, the, um, the, the frustration that I have is how similar this particular election has been to like, let's say the million dollar prize on America's got talent. There's just been like a striking amount of similarities, which is that, you know, it seemed to be less about like what the concrete talent was and more about like the backstory, the compelling backstory, um, to, to the contestant. Um, I feel really disappointed in the fact that we have a robust democracy and we have a robust debate commission and we had one debate and it was so policed and governed that we really never really got a chance to see like h- how do these people oversect and, and how do how do their values sort of come to the surface um you know i'm i'm frustrated by the state of journalism i feel like uh poor questions were asked with no follow-up everybody sort of just got a free pass uh, i feel like uh you know the conservatives did that thing again like america's got talent where they peak too early um versus that you know that grind that they needed at the end and the reason why that happened was just really the lack of substantive policy i mean indigenous matters were huge in this election we didn't talk about them uh climate change was huge i don't remember a substantive debate about it other than they 
want good climate and they don't. And I think that that's so disrespectful to the fact that we all sit at the spectrum uh, very close to one another on the on the political scale. The only real winners in this in this contest were the people that really don't have any salience. And that is Maxim Bernier from the People's Party, which managed to give people an outlet for their anger. And uh, Annemie Paul, who was basically just fighting a battle from the inside. Um, you know, those those two victories for those individual parties are of no consequence. I don't think Maxim Bernie will maintain a seat and I don't think Anime Paul will have this job tomorrow. So all in all, um, you know, my thoughts on a on a pandemic election call, but I think it it didn't even it, it wasn't fruitful. It wasn't fruitful for anybody. Name namingly Canadians who had to vote today. And I think we're just like, oh, boy. Well, I I, I got out and voted. Uh, I, 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 I pride myself <laughs> on making sure that I get out and vote. I can say mm-hmm. with uh, this is the first time I said this. I've lied to every single canvasser who's knocked on my door today. I spoiled my ballot. I have proof of spoiling said ballot, but I went in and I crossed an X off of every single candidate that was running. I do not. Okay, so why one of them? Not one of the candidates in Calgary Skyview earned my vote. And as someone who believes in someone who has to earn my vote, none of them earned my vote. Um, I was looked at as the husband of a political spouse. So let's try and get to me. Let's get try to get to the husband through me. So I don't think they used me uh, appropriately. So I did not vote. I technically voted for all the candidates. I just spoiled my ballot because I none of them earned my vote. Not one of them. I, and I can literally well, show, I can text anyone who wants to call me out on that. I will text you my ballot because I illegally took a photo of it afterwards. I did not going to say that's illegal. Yep. So, okay, Chris, I, what would it, what would it have taken to have gotten your vote in this election then? Someone to actually talk to me like an actual person, not like a vote. How are you going to help mm-hmm. me personally? I'm sorry, but okay, we need to stop Aaron O'Toole from forming a government. We need to stop Justin Trudeau from forming a government. Jagmeet Singh needs to stop. Uh, we need to hold Ju- uh, Justin Trudeau to account. None of that spoke to me. What speaks to me at the end of the day is how are you, the candidate, one vote in Ottawa, going to help me, a small business owner, in the middle of downtown, well, not middle of downtown Calgary, but in Calgary, get ahead? And not one of them spoke to that. Not one candidate. They were all about petty politics and I just was bored of it. Uh, you know, I had a similar I had a similar experience here. I'm in the writing of Calgary Center, uh, which my sparring opponent from debate night, uh, Rob Tremblay, is is part of uh, Sabrina's campaign for the Liberal Party there. So, hi, Rob. Um, I made it to election night and you didn't. So there we be. Um, I. I feel frustrated also by the lack of of discourse. I also feel frustrated by the lack of choice. Uh, I represent one of the most intensive ridings in Calgary. Uh, At one point was seen as an opportunity to be a battleground because of anti-Kenny sentiment and really a lot of young people moving into the riding. Um, Calgary Center is a huge riding and our choices were uh, Greg McLean for the Conservatives, Sabrina Glover for for the Liberals. There was an NDP candidate although his name escapes me now. Juan and then Estevez, had someone, he came on the show. Thank you. Thank you. My apologies, Juan. And also we had a candidate from the Christian Heritage Alliance. Party. 
thank you. Um, shows how much I paid attention to my ballad. That's terrible that we didn't have a PPC and we didn't have a Maverick. Like we're a big testing writing to really know where our sentiments lie. And we really had a lack of choice. We didn't have an independent. We didn't have like, I'm really surprised we didn't have a green. So that, you know, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, you did. You had a green. Did I? You had Austin Mullins. Oh, right. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. We Austin was on my ballot. I remember because I gave him a little thought around um, how how his GOTV was going to go today. His get out the vote was going to go today. Uh, you're absolutely right. Sorry. I'm so sorry, Austin. I know he listens to this podcast. So my apologies. Uh, but I'm frustrated as a as a conservative voter that there wasn't a lot of choice because you know, I do think that that does consolidate the conservative vote, but it does two things. It really doesn't give us a counterfactual of where conservatives really are in the, in the, in the writing. And it also gives like a false sense of security, I think, to the conservative party of Canada around the attitudes of conservatives in this writing. I, I, I voted conservative. I do have a podcast called conservative like me, but I am disappointed by the lack of choice. I'm disappointed by the lack of choice that I feel I was owed as a voter. I agree wholeheartedly. Choice is uh, a big thing. My ballot was, it felt like it was a freaking page long because we had the Centrist like a phone party. book. We had an independent. Ooh. We had a People's Party. We had a Marxist-Leninist party. We had a Conservative party, NDP, Green. You name it, we had them. And uh, I just, none of them spoke to me. None of them. I, I don't know if I can say that correctly, but none of them at the end of the day, none of my candidates um, spoke to me. So, yeah, I was uh, I had similar dialogue in my community, um, you know, people feeling really disappointed. My engagement with a conservative member, um, you know, I really felt strongly did not earn my vote. He really talked about pipelines like we're going to get pipelines. And I'm like, oh. God, you got to you got to pivot off this just because we're in Calgary Center doesn't like we are capable of more intellectual thought than I be the party of pipelines. It's like, listen, you talked about a lot of things on your policy in your policy book. You know, you got to diversify and speak to those things. And when you have a, a party and a candidate that can't kind of can't get on message and then stay on message, you're just like, oh, please go to the next. Please go to the next door. So, you know, while I'm I really do hope that a conservative win is the outcome of tonight, I do so really begrudgingly. I do so a little bit begrudgingly, even in my own writing. I think that's terrible to say. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the results that are coming in right now from Atlantic Canada because we're still about 15 minutes away mm-hmm. from. And there were writings that you and I wanted to look at. And uh, I, I, I prepared graphics for the writings that we wanted to look at. But there's some there's some certain writings that I want to look at because this is going to tell the test of time if Aaron O'Toole be, can become prime minister. Right now, they have picked yes. up or are leading in double the amount of seats in Atlantic Canada than they were in 2019. This is huge. This is going to be a good night for Aaron O'Toole. How good is it? is going to be determined by that People's Party of Canada vote. Oh, that is not true. That is not true. No. Okay. Chris, Chris, that is not true. Don't start this podcast with being so very wrong, built on a false premise. Okay. I'm going to say this. In the riding of uh, Long Range Mountains, Gordy Hutchinson is the incumbent, the liberal. She is leading, and she's actually been proclaimed elected. And I apologize if I'm looking down because I'm just reading these results off my iPad as they come in. The People's Party of Canada is taking 5% of the vote away from the Conservatives. If if the Conservatives would have won that 5%, 
they would be leading it in that riding right now. Which operates only with the magical Disneyland inspired assumption that all of those votes would have gone conservative. I think nope. what we don't look at is a lot of people would have spoiled their ballot or they would have stayed home just because they voted for people's party. Doesn't mean that if they, the absence of the people's party was there, they would have automatically voted conservative. I think well, we have to be so clear on this. Uh, and don't I be agree. Rosie Barton on this man. I, I'm not being Rosie Barton on this, but I'm being realistic. Because literally in one of the safest ridings on in Newfoundland, Coast of Bay Central Notre Dame, which is a friend of mine, Scott Sims, liberal MP since 2004, he's going down to in defeat tonight. He is a yes, well-liked is. MP. And if... if I'm very Sim, surprised. <laughs> exactly. But there's only three parties on the ballot in this election. New Democrats, liberals, and conservatives. No People's That's Party right. of Canada. So yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that all of the votes would have gone to the from the conservatives to the People's Party of Canada. I'm just saying that the People's Party of Canada is a an election story tomorrow morning. If they can hold off or stop the conservatives from winning some seats over certain other ones where we might be heading to a liberal minority, a smaller minority than we had last time. You know what? I, there is a possibility, but I think we have to be careful to acknowledge that yes, some of the votes that would have gone conservative go to the people's party because people found resonance with that. But also I don't, I think that the, the tail of the tape in a couple of days will be, did people's party bring out apathetic or lazy voters, first time voters? I think their ability to find the fringe. I think I just reject this narrative that it's the, it's the complete separation or the pull apart of more fringe like conservatives um, that will then cost them a seat. I don't, I don't, I will, I think we can be in agreement that it doesn't help them, but to say, Oh my God, people's party of Canada got 800 votes. That's 800 votes that would have gone to the conservative party. I don't think that there is an argument to support that. I think maybe a hundred or 200, but I think that there's enough, like, let's not underestimate Maxim Bernie's ability to find people (laughs) and hear what I'm saying with that. Yeah. Let's see what happens in the East. That's all I can say. Um, I just want to announce this because this just, just, just was declared. The first liberal cabinet minister has gone down in defeat and that is Bernadette Jordans, the fisheries minister in Nova Scotia, South Shore, St. Margaret's. Um, this is the first. This is going to be a bad night. This is the second pickup for the conservatives on the island in Nova Scotia in Cumberland, close uh Colchester, pardon me, Lorraine Zand, the Liberal MP, also lost is uh, Stephen Ellis, a family uh, practitioner in Nova Scotia, has won that for the Conservatives. Many expect him to be the next health critic after uh, Michelle Rempel, or if not that, a the Minister of Health. Um, two big names down for the Liberals. This is not going to be a good I think night. we for the liberals if this continues on a trend like this. 
Well, I think we also have to look at the fact that we, you know, there was another election uh, in Atlantic Canada. We have seen some changes. We have seen some embracing of a, of a conservative government. They ran a strong provincial campaign around real ideas, a focus on healthcare, a focus on, uh, you know, um, really bringing people to the table and having meaningful engagement. You had to expect there's going to be some bleed over. I'm wondering in Bernadette's case, um, her as the fisheries minister, minister, how much that was a rebuke of how, you know, the ongoing fishery fisheries debate has been handled and really what I think a community might have seen as a lack of government intervention and action to represent to represent the indigenous communities there. Uh, I think it might have just been a like, what do you think, Chris? I, I agree wholeheartedly. I was actually going to say that after before you started talking about it. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I think that uh, there's a few things that were in play in this uh, in that writing. I did not expect that the to the conservatives to pick that up, to be honest. I thought the liberals were going to keep that in the writing in their column, but it did not end up being that way. I think uh, two things were in play in this uh, in that writing, which was uh, the fisheries uh, debacle that was uh indigenous issues versus uh fishermen and then also the provincial election the provincial election has cost the liberals two seats i lauren zane was uh was a probably going to go down in defeat tonight because that is not a liberal seat that is a bill casey seat for those who don't know who bill casey is bill casey is the former mp for that who was a progressive conservative then an independent then a progressive then a conservative then a liberal yes. so it was a bill casey but he was seat. always but he was always bill casey exactly yeah, that's, it, it's that's like important. king's hands and uh, Bri- uh scott bryson scott bryson no matter where he went it was always going to be a scott bryson a, a seat um yeah i feel that way in in uh, bc about the straws like there yeah. was chuck straw and mark straw like it's a straw writing and people are like oh it's a safe conservative writing and i'm like well it's kind of a, it's just a straw writing really uh the one seat that we are i'm watching relatively close right now is fredericton they are still not calling of course. It. uh jenica atwin is behind the seat count right now behind the vote count right now it is flipping back and forth between liberal and conservative I'm going to wait to see how this folds out. I think this is going to be one of the closest, if not the closest election uh, ridings in the Atlantic provinces. Yeah, this is uh, Chris. When you asked me, like, what ridings do you want to do you want to watch? You know, give me east to east to west. I Fredericton was at the top of my list, Um, you know. Jenica's Atwin's defection uh, from the Greens and into have to watch these writings because other than party affiliation, I think the thing that pollsters never really get right is that people really don't like the attitudes of we decided what party you represent. I mean, people really do vote color before they vote for the person. They really vote along their party lines. Um, I mean, my podcast is not called Aaron O'Toole like me. It's called conservative like me, and it will navigate over however many leaders we need until we can get the outcome that we want. And I think people do pay attention to that because I mean, I just did it now. I couldn't, I couldn't name the the people in my own writing because I was so focused on the, the color of their party affiliation. And so you know, when, when candidates decide like, oh, I know what kind of party I want to represent, voters can have an ability to say, no, 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 no. We decide who we want. And just because you want to be a liberal now doesn't mean we follow you because we want this to be the at win riding. So there is always a little bit of pushback energy, I think, that pollsters fail to capture. 
Now, uh, 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 Jennifer can't see this, but on your screen right now is the list of the candidates who are running because I am such a graphics nerd because this is what I do on my spare time because, you know, I have nothing else to do except watch for the Super Bowl of Super Bowls. Um, Jenica Atwin is the liberal. Andrea Johnson is currently in the lead. Uh, I don't have the numbers up because that would be just way too much confusion for me. And let's be honest, you do not want to see me with numbers. It just does not work out. I'm I'm a I'm a soft liberal, so you just don't want me around numbers, as Justin Trudeau would say. Uh, NDP uh, Sean Oldenburg is running third right now with 15 percent. Nicola Byrne, who the Greens had hope. The Greens had hope that this was going to go back to their column because of how pissed off people were going to be at Jenica Atwin. Um, the Green Party's vote in Atlantic Canada has been decimated decimated uh i am seeing i think it was a last time i checked was 11 percent swing from the last election 11 percent loss and i thought it would go to the liberals but it's not it's splitting across party lines some are going to the conservatives some are going to the liberals some are going to the ndp this this election is not going to be done in ontario i don't think just coming back to the Fredericton writing on Nicole O'Byrne, I think the the hot wash that I'll be interested to see from the from the Green Party, because it's been so focused on the leader and the infighting of that party. This was a riding I think they could have won. The question I would be asking the O'Byrne campaign is how good did you mobilize your vote, especially in early voting? Right. A record number of early voting. Let's be let's be clear in this election. People got out and, and voted early. Um, did you how good was your GOTV, which for those lay people again? out the vote and then did you put money did you put money here like did you put money in this writing how like how good was the signage how good were the ads how good was the were the thought leadership pieces like to me some of the 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 griping that i have about the about the green party in this election is that the only way to counter an infighting narrative first of all is to have is to have a high performing leader on a national stage and i think anime paul did that in both the french and the english debate and then do you have enough mobilization with your candidates for them to demonstrate the thought leadership and to fight for the writings that they can win. And that's where I'm worried that they fell apart on the second leg of that stool. I agree. Um, I know uh, enemy Paul stuck close to home in Toronto center during this campaign in yes, the last sir. about four days of the campaign. She decided, Hey, now I, I think the green party has enough money that we can do a national tour and we're going to try and do it in PEI, which as we see, all four seats in PEI have gone back to the Liberal column, which is not a big shock. Yeah, that they was went, just a misappropriation of money and time. I it, it, the, the the tomorrow morning the Greens have to have a very hard talk with themselves. Um, Austin, if you're listening to this, if you're watching this, to the people who are, what happened? What happened with the Green Party? If 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 if. Atlantic Canada is any indication on how the Greens are going to do tonight. Elizabeth May is in for a fight. And that. Oh, don't you think that this is that same thing where Elizabeth May's writing is Elizabeth May's writing? You think that she could be out of out of it tonight? I think she could. 11 percent is a huge drop. No I could way. be wrong. I, I've been I've been known to be wrong before. So uh, let's see what happens. Um, so we are 
We are still waiting. We are four minutes away from polls closing from Quebec to Alberta and Northwest Territories and good old Nunavut, BC and uh, Yukon do close an hour after that. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll have some indication on how this night is going to go before then. But let's be honest, I'm in for the long haul. I hope Jen is as well. I'm definitely in for the long haul. And I have to say that in order to keep the graphics going, I like to stay with you. I'm also having to watch myself simultaneously on YouTube and it's freaking me out. How come you're so big and I'm so little? I got to fix this. Yes, I got to fix this. I feel like I'm talking down to you. (laughs) I know. I get why am I so little? This is so Uh, weird. I got to pull my screen toward me. But now you got the Maverick Maverick sign behind me. Is that what that is? I was going to ask you what that is. So yes, throughout the night, you will be seeing the signs behind me change that people were wondering why I wanted signs from campaigns because throughout the night, uh, for those who are watching, we're going to be taking a break periodically throughout the night just to get uh, refreshed, go to the washroom, make sure that we can not fall asleep by getting coffee for me, green caffeine. (laughs) You realize you're live doing that, right? I am live doing it. This is podcasting live. I feel like this is right. So, yes, this is going to be changing throughout the night. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Oh, Moncton just got called. St. John Rothesay, sorry. Uh, Wayne Long, incumbent, defeated Mel Norton. That's a shock. Uh, traditionally, so if you're cons- paying it. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was, was going to tra- say, if you're paying it. Oh, <laughs> go ahead, Chris. Go, no, you go. This last I checked, this is your podcast. Go ahead. It's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go. You heard it here first. I was going to say, so if you're keeping track of the tail on the tape so far as we come out of the Atlantic provinces and head into head into head into the major, the, the larger provinces, um, we've got liberals having lost three seats that they held in the last election. We have conservatives gaining five, a, a new Democrat loss of one and a green loss of one. So, so far, it's looking very good for Aaron O'Toole. And can we now talk about that hilarious Aaron O'Toole anecdote? that just happened about an hour ago on CBC. I have to say that in the writing of, of um, is it Calgary Shepherd? Yes. Everything that was coming from the conservative um, candidate there was about defunding the CBC. For some reason, they felt the people of Forest Lawn Dover yes! are just absolutely, are just absolutely done with um, the CBC. And Rosie Barton on her CBC coverage goes to watching Aaron O'Toole and his and his wife Rebecca and Jack and Molly, their kids, watching the coverage. And what are they watching? The CBC. And I felt like that felt like such a full circle moment for this election that I just thought I I'm gonna be do you know I just actually what I honestly felt was that like in the first hour of this podcast, we're gonna be sharp. We're gonna be asking sharp questions. And by the fourth hour of this, I'm gonna be like, hey Chris, do you think that washers and dryers are work friends or real friends? <laughs> like I just feel like this will get right off the rails if this continues. Okay. So well, I, by by hour four, we'll bring Kyle on. Kyle? Kevin. Kevin? <laughs> Kyle. 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 Kyle on, and we'll Kyle. we'll talk about your dating life for the last four hours until BC covers yeah. it because that's um, right the, that's right uh, 
there are literally ridings going back and forth right now. And the one I want to talk about, getting back to the election, why we're here, is Sydney, Victoria. Jamie Battisti is the first Micmac MP for all of Canada, Indigenous. He had some controversy in 2019 around sexual uh, posts that he made about women. Um, He won and it looks like there he's leading right now with 575 votes, but it's going back and forth between him and Eddie Orell, who is a former MLA for Nova Scotia, a very popular MLA. So this is a riding I'm watching. If the liberals can keep this riding, you might be able to blunt some of the growth that is Aaron O'Toole. So these and the other this one that is- I've watched. Go ahead. It's just going to be 905. Like, I think what I'm the two areas of this of this electoral map that I'm watching are not. I want to see what Toronto is going to do. Like, and, the, and it's around, that's that's going to be the whole show. I want to know how effective um, Francois Legault was in persuading Quebecers to vote for Aaron O'Toole. And I want to know what's going to happen in the B.C. lower mainland because of the electoral, you know, the way in which these elections are called. There is a dogfight that is going to happen between the liberals and the conservatives in the lower mainland, all of those Cloverdale, Langley City, Langley, Aldergrove, um, Surrey, White, White Rock, Port Coquitlam, all of those ridings are up for grabs. And there is funny things happening in all of those ridings. And I think that that those are those are the three pockets. So man, just to, just just to, just to interrupt, I just want to let our viewers know that polls have now closed in Quebec, Ontario, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, and um, uh, Nunavut and uh, Northwest Territories. So polls have now closed in the majority of Canada. Over 200 seats are going to be coming in in the next few hours. Um, we are going to be digesting this. We're going to be talking about this. Um, we're still following some of the stories out in uh, Atlantic Canada because not all ridings have been called yet. But I just want to let everyone know that it is 7.32 here in Alberta and polls have now closed in the majority of Canada. Election 2021 is now in the books. It is now up to the scrutineers, the poll counters, and the vote watchers, or the uh, poll clerks to count, and it's in their hands. So let let the games begin. (laughs) Absolutely. And let's also talk about what we are and are not going to do. One of the things that I will I will come to Chris's writing and be violent is if he does that thing where he's like, oh, conservatives or liberals are leading. And it's like one poll of 400 reporting. No. I hate that. I That's what drives me crazy about coverage. They're like, oh, it's an early win for, you know, Jenica Atwin. And I'm like, she's got four vote. One poll is closed. So I think we really need to know what the meat of this thing looks like. Um, polls are now like so for those who haven't uh, been watching the actual mainstream media because our coverage is so much better and it's going to be awesome and we're going to do this every election from now until whenever the we basically die um there was over a million votes asked for mail-in ballots yeah those are not being counted until tomorrow so they do not get even touched until tomorrow 
the ones I want to talk about, I think there was about 800,000 votes that were done advance vote. They could have been opened an hour before polls closed. So we are going to see an influx of numbers in the first few minutes because people have already counted. But do not think that those are outliers. Do not think those are the actual results because those are just advanced votes and they traditionally sway heavily to one can one party over another. Yes. And the other thing I will say, because it's only 734, is that even though the polls have closed, just like Chris said, if you're in line, stay in line. You can vote if you are in line at 730. And if they tell you that you can't hold your ground, you can vote. You can vote. You you are even if you're standing outside the polling booth. As long as you are in line, you you stay in line, you hold your ground, you you this is Alamo, like this is my Alamo yeah, and but, I'm going to But poll workers are, are great. They'll 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 know. <laughs> they'll, well, they'll know. They'll let you vote. It should you'll be okay. You'll be all right. Just just yes, hold your ground just, and say this is just, my right under Elections Canada. Exactly. Listen to Jen. Jen knows what she's talking about. Okay. So we are watching results come in now. I want to talk about the 905416 for a bit. <laughs> Okay. Oh wow. Because that is the area that you 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 and I have both said that this is going to be where the election is going to either be a minority or a minority for another party. Because if the Liberals can pick if the Liberals lose enough seats in the 416905 area, Aaron O'Toole is cruising to become a minority prime minister. I highly doubt that, but we will see where the cards land. Um, the one, so first off, just for those who are watching, Durham is the riding which uh, Aaron O'Toole, I, I, I literally just froze my computer. Durham is the riding of Aaron O'Toole, leader of the Conservative Party. So he, that is an area that I'm going to be watching. The other area, I'm just going to pull it up here because I, is Whitby. Whitby, Whitby, Whitby. And I'm, I'm seeing Jen look at me very, why are you looking at Whitby? Whitby is Selena Cesar Chavez's old riding. Yes. She came out and half-heartedly endorsed the Conservative Party. Not really a full, in, not really a full endorsement, but not a uh, bad, in, uh, like not a full endorsement, but not a like half-ass endorsement. She endorsed. Aaron O'Toole has spent basically five days in this riding wanting to pick it up. Ryan Turnbull won it in 2019. He's running for re-election. This is a riding that I'm going to be watching and watching very closely. Yourself? Yeah, I, I I share those same concerns. I'm I'm really interested in the amount of time that Aaron O'Toole spent in that area um, to yield a, a return on investment. I think it's important to note that this was also met with a little bit of ire from Alberta. There was a very popular tweet today from someone who said, I want you to know as you go to the polls that um, Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh did not step into Calgary. And that matters. Who, 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 who would have said that? I wonder. Who would have said that? I wonder. He, he never. They never stepped a foot in Calgary. Justin Trudeau came here. Let it be for ten minutes. He basically got off the plane, waved, and got back on the plane and left. But Aaron O'Toole not showing up in Calgary—that says something to me. But I, I mean, amid the growth of 
of the PPC. And I think what we're also not talking about is the growth of Maverick Party, which I do believe is a threat to the Conservative Party. Amid the growth of those two parties, I think for Aaron O'Toole to make the case, and it would have been a pretty easy case to make. I mean, that rhetoric control isn't hard to say. We split the vote these three different ways. We we invite Justin Trudeau, you know, back to Rideau Hall to, to govern. Um, so, you know, be strategic with your choices and, and let me talk about how, you know, this is what I do. You know, you couple that with a lot of misses in Alberta, like that, remember that ad that we were so mean about where he was just like, I worked in oil and gas for five minutes and look at my cowboy boots and I'm and we're like, oh, don't do it. I'm wearing a cowboy right? hat. This I'm video, this, <laughs> this video was produced in Toronto, clearly. Um, so he had a bunch of missteps. And then, of course, as we got closer to the election, um, you know, the the growing ire about, you know, Jason Kenney's management provincially as a conservative in covid, um, you know, just, you know, didn't help him and, and really derailed his campaign. I loved the ad or the, the editorial cartoon from this from the specter um, that uh, I shared on, on social media. You reach me at the Jen Sanford, Jen double N, where it showed um, Jason Kenney tripping Aaron O'Toole uh, as he finished as he reached the finish line uh, of this election. And I think that that's a that's a really strong um, visual representation of, of, of what did happen. So, you know, but that being said, like, this is where your home is. This is your base. This is conservative land. And not even spending time in Saskatchewan. Like he basically did a hop, skip and jump through the Prairie provinces, spent time in the lower mainland. Like, I think they've taken a calculated risk by saying we're going to blow off the Prairie Provinces because Andrew Shear was here every other week, it seemed like. But Aaron O'Toole said we're going to spend more time in Lower Mainland, 905, 416 and Montreal than we're going to spend in the Prairie Provinces because no matter what, they will stick with me no matter what I say. But it's that age, it's that age old thing about get a vote versus lose a vote. I used to say this about Andrew Scheer since, since you brought it up, I'll lean into it. One of the things that became a threat to the campaign of Andrew Scheer was that people were like, okay, I, I think I'm going to vote for him because I'm a conservative. And then they met him and they're like, oh no, this guy has the charisma of a hemorrhoid and they lost the vote. So actually the more they put him in front of people, the more it cost him the ability to be elected. So that gets in the mind of campaigns around like maybe seen and not heard. Like the assumption that we have your vote is a better alternative than putting you in in front of these voters and let the letting them say you know what i actually do have other conservative choices and i'm i'm going with them and it actually you know backfires for them so i wonder how much that was a calculated risk not that i like i'm i'm, I'm not thrilled with the amount of charm of aaron o'toole but i do think he has charm compared to the you know plastic cardboard cutout that was andrew Shear. and justin trudeau let's be let's be honest he was a cardboard cut out and still is half the time basically it's whoever's behind him is what i i think the interesting about trudeau is that his campaign was able to tap into the idea that george shahal is a popular municipal civil uh, uh municipal leader uh city councilor in the city of calgary and that that area is 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 ripe uh, to flip uh with someone like that at the helm and to, and to give that a little bit of a push i think doesn't hurt so as we are the alberta podcast who's live streaming and talking about this listen talk about the writings that we are watching that are going to be coming in here. And like I said, we are not going to be describing that, hey, uh, in Gatineau, 
with one poll reporting the Green Party of Canada is out to a resounding lead of 54 votes and the Liberals only have one. We're not going to yeah, do that. Yeah, that just drives, <laughs> drives me crazy. That drives me crazy. Can we start talking about um, the riding of Baus in Quebec, which is Maxim Bernier's riding? Let's because I think it is. that for a second. So I'm just going to show the list of candidates. We're going to talk about them some right now. So right now, the incumbent for Baus is Richard Lahoe. He uh, beat uh, Mr. Maxime Bernier back in 2019. Maxime Bernier is running for the People's Party of Canada. There is a lot of ride, uh, candidates in this election in this there is the free party of Canada which I still don't know what they are there's the marijuana party for those who don't know Sebastian Tengo is the marijuana party so that is the logo that you are seeing besides Sebastian's name Green Party's running Franco, Francis uh, Jacques Coutte for the NDP so on and so forth so this is a riding that uh, Jen wants to talk about there's the list go for it Jen what do you want to talk about both well, I think like Richard for the conservative party was a really big get for them. He had a lot of leadership experience. He was very well known. It was very strategic on the part of the sheer campaign in the last election of 2019 to, to kind of pull off this upset. And they were very successful in doing so. Um, I I just find it very interesting about watching this business of Maxime Bernier because, you know, people stay close to their home ridings on election night. It's important to note that Maxime Bernier is in Saskatoon. And if you see this setup in, in Saskatoon, I don't know, like I, I it looks like an outdoor concert is going to happen. They've said we're prepared to be inside the ballroom, but if enough people show up, we're going to be outside in this field. I think that that is an episode to watch, but it is really interesting to watch that he is running in a in Quebec and he is not there tonight. And I think that that's really revealing around how he's reading the tea leaves and what does happen to this party if there is considerable gains and yet the leader continues not to maintain a seat. Like what I, happens there? And when I was looking at all of the all of the candidates that they've put up for this election, you know, they, they really have candidates all over the spectrum for themselves. But there was re- I was really watching in this election to see if like a number two emerged, like a person from Alberta or a person from Saskatchewan or someone that would be like, listen, if, if Bernie can't pull this off, is there some seat that's promising? And then they become the leader of that party. And I didn't see that materialize. And I think I, I can't figure out if the if the PPC is the PPC or if the PPC is Maxim Bernier. I think it's the That's latter. what I can't quite I think out. the People's Party yeah. of Canada is I I think the People's Party of Canada is like the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party will pull above 30% in this election. I guarantee it right now. The Liberal Party is not the Liberal Party. The Liberal Party has left the Liberal Party of what I knew the Liberal Party to be of the John Cretchen, the Paul Martin, the fiscal conservative Liberal Party. The Michael Ignatieff, yeah. We don't talk about that name in this household, <laughs> okay? We don't talk about him like Ooh, you guys don't. You guys don't talk about Preston Manning, okay? Oh, we <laughs> talk about Preston Manning. Stockwell Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we don't talk about that guy. Yeah. Doris so, Day? No, we don't talk about that guy. <laughs> um, Justin Trudeau is uh, Warren Kinsella, and God bless him. He's a Calgarian. He's living in Prince Edward Hastings in the in, uh, a nice riding. I, I know the area quite well. He said it best. 
The Liberal Party has become a cult of the Trudeaus. And I and I say that reluctantly because I hate the use the word cult, but the Liberals have become a cult of the Trudeau name. And I hope, 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 hope that if Trudeau does leave, he goes away like Michael Ignatieff and goes to another country like Geneva. I know Geneva. <laughs> So Geneva's a nice place. Don't shove him there. Uh, hey, he's there right now. <laughs> um, um. So, so back to house. <laughs> I think this is this is this. You know, I really do. I really do think you know Richard will will hold this will hold this writing, and then the 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 fate becomes like what does happen? What does happen to Maxim Bernier now? Um. Like what? What is? I think he stays because, on. I mean, I honestly think he does. Stay oh on. yeah, when you're, but when you're the curator of the party, that's the way it's going to be. But then what? But then what? Like then where does he go? Like he can't continue. The, I was like he can't continue he this. I'm gonna run in Bouse because I'm from there. He no way. Think yeah. so? That's I, he is laying the groundwork to run in Alberta. I w- money don't run in Alberta die. or run in Saskatchewan. Either or. I think the only reason he's in Saskatchewan is because Saskatchewan has laxer rules around COVID-19 than Alberta right now. And that's why he's not in Quebec. He wants like the best thing that can come out for the People's Party of Canada tonight is if they pull in that 10, 10 to 15 percent. I know you think it's a long shot. It might be. But even if they crack that conservative wall in the Western Canada with 10 or 15 percent, that's huge. So for those of us keeping track here at 7.47 p.m. Uh, Mountain Time, and according to uh, the interactives, we've got uh, the Liberals down to zero in terms of losses and gains. So they're 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 back at neutral. Conservatives holding through with two seats, uh, two, a two-seat gain and a two-seat loss for the Bloc Québécois. That's where we are. Yeah, and I want to go back to Coast of Bay, Central Notre Dame, because this is a riding that is close to my heart. I hope Scott Sims wins this riding. <laughs> he has shrunk his uh, deficit from over 1,400 votes to just over 700 votes. So he is getting closer, but there's only four polls outstanding. Scott Sims is going down in defeat tonight, unless, and this is the unknown, I don't know how many mail-in ballots have been asked for in Coast of Bay, Central Nova, Notre Dame. And do you know if, if like Elections Canada will be releasing that information? Like this is how many mail-in ballots? Oh, they have. I just didn't pull it up beforehand. When mm. we take our first this- break in about 15 minutes, I'll, I'll look that up and then we'll talk about it. Um, so I'm just looking at the other ridings. So the NDP are still shut out of Atlantic Canada, which is not shocking at all. St. John's East, which is an NDP whole, uh, was a NDP win in 2019, is relatively well in the liberal column now. Um, but we are we are looking at it. So this is going to be a fun night. I'm looking forward to it. As you can tell that Jen and I are both probably on the CBC app right now going through all the ridings and trying to figure this out. But I want to talk about the Alberta uh, ridings right now that we're going to be watching. And uh, for those who are watching on the screen, uh, we are going to be watching. Oh, 
I'll start with the first one is Banff Airdrie. Banff Airdrie is Blake Richards' riding. It is also the riding of former conservative leadership candidate and no affiliation candidate because that's the party he's literally labeled on in Canada, Elections Canada. Derek Sloan is running in this riding. He dropped out of Hastings, Lanark, Frontenac, or Addington and has moved himself all the way to Banff Airdrie. So this is a riding I will be watching because I want to see where Tariq El Ghana, the Maverick Party candidate, does as well because he has been polling well and he has been a star on social media. Next, I will be talking about Calgary Center. This is another riding we'll be watching. Unlike Mrs. Person who just voted for these people, Sabrina Grover, <laughs> not Glover, Glo- Grover for the Liberal Party. Doesn't Britain. matter. Not elected. Not elected <laughs> tonight. Doesn't matter. Juan Estevez Moreno for the NDP, Austin Mullins and David Palawaski for the conservative uh, for the Canadian Heritage Party. I do want to take a moment and say this for my listeners. David, the candidate for the Christian Heritage Party, literally filed his Ward 11 nomination papers two days before on Friday before this election. So he is now running for the Ward 11 candidate in the Calgary municipal elections. There's your fun fun tidbit for the day. (laughs) Back to the ridings. Calgary Confederation, Len Weber, Murray Sigler, uh, former uh, uh, Calgary Sports uh, CEO, Calgary Chamber of Commerce CEO, interim president of the uh, Calgary Chamber. Natalie Odd, who is the... Green Party candidate had the best showing of any Green Party of Canada candidate in Alberta last election with 8%. If her vote goes down, the Anime Paul needs to go. The internal rift that has been caused because of Anime Paul and the board of directors or however they want to call themselves, they need to go. So I'm watching this riding for that reason alone to see where the Green Party vote goes and if how bad it goes down. Uh, my riding, Calgary Skyview, George DeHolf, uh, incumbent Ward 5 of Councillor, Jag Sahota, incumbent MP, also min, uh, critic for women and gender diversity affairs, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Gurinder Singh Gill is the NDP candidate. He has been going after George DeHolf hard in the last few days, accusing him of... Uh, not telling the truth when it comes to the uh, his holdings, election. like his his holdings. Yeah. Yes, that's right. The elections Canada office is in a off a building that George DeHall actually owns. So oh, owns, yeah. So yeah. the rules are that candidates can't go within like was it five hundred yards of like an election office to maintain some integrity between the candidate's business and the electioneering's yeah. office. And then it was revealed at a at a I think it was a radio debate, Red or FM, an online debate, Red FM. Yeah, that he had said, how is it possible that the the Elections Canada uh, built uh, office is within a building that you own. And then of course, compounding that it, it came out that he has a, a suite, a secondary suite in a home that was recently shut down because it was deemed not to be appropriate. And so it was this whole idea of like, you're up to nefarious business dealings. How will you possibly represent this writing with integrity? 
I do absolutely think Calgary Skyview is one to watch. I think that liberals are thinking, is this a place that we can crack this uh, based on the popularity of a municipal candidate and the fact that people are frustrated um, with with the conservative candidate? And I think it's also important to note that like you and I have we don't we don't just drink the Kool-Aid. We also mix it and manufacture it and sell it like we are political Kool-Aid pushers. But there's a lot of people who like really, you know, pride themselves on being politically engaged, but said to me like, oh, and then like, do I vote for my MP? And then I also vote for my mayor. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Those are two separate elections. You're going to have to go back to the polls in a month um, or I guess 28 days to, to, to vote for that, to vote for your mayoral candidate. Or a lot of people saying like, you know what, I'm just really done with Kenny. I got to vote for a different party and having to remind them that that's a provincial infrastructure and they're voting for a federal infrastructure. So we can't also forget people that despite themselves are going to go and be totally confused by the ballot and are just going to try to vote as as best they can and not really realizing the change that they're advocating for. So not that I'm 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 pointing out Calgary Skyview that that they don't know what they're doing, but I'm just saying that in a lot of ridings, there's been some confusion, especially in Calgary around like what am I really voting for today? Um and I do think that you know, I, I'm watching Calgary Skyview for the for the sheer um, for the sheer politicking that's taken place. It's been real nasty in that riding. Oh, it has. And so I for those who watch my Twitter feed, uh, you know that I have done a massive tour of this city in the last three days. I will say this. The amount of yard signs on people's property is dismal for the conservatives in this election. I was in Calgary Heritage, Stephen Harper's old riding. You could barely find one or two election signs in the area that I was in for the conservative candidate. Yet again, there weren't for the liberals. There weren't for the uh, NDP. But what does that say from a conservative like me podcast host that the conservative movement that it was so in tune to elections called, I'm going to the campaign office, I'm picking up my sign, I'm putting in my property. I'm done. I know where I'm voting. Where is that conservative vote? Is it the Jason Kenney that has pissed people off? Is it the Aaron O'Toole? Is it the People's Party? Because if conservatives are afraid to be identified as conservatives in Calgary Heritage, what does that say about conservatives in 2021? Well, I do think that there's a there's a couple of factors here that matter. First of all, I do think we have message exhaustion. You have to remember in the city of Calgary, we've had a lot of issues with signage because mayoral signage, you know, got into that loophole um, thanks to to Jody Gondek's campaign. And so a lot of people were really were really wary about signs. I do think that there's a little bit of a of a of a push where people from an environmentalism perspective are like, I don't want to put out a, a non-recyclable sign. So I think that's a, so those are your two fringe parts of it. And then I think the bigger piece is yes yes uh, Jason Kenney is a problem I think people are just it's it's never been more difficult to self-identify as a conservative I mean if anybody wants to get into the inside of my Twitter feed uh, it's really mean people want to do things to my body that I'm like yeah my body doesn't 
do that kind of thing. Uh, and you wouldn't want it to. Um, but it's, it's just the, it's the sheer nature. It doesn't matter if I'm educated or articulate or that I'm an advocate for a strong two-party system. It's the sheer concept that I would be a, a conservative that makes me a, not eligible to participate in discourse. So I think a lot of people worry about vandalism in their home and they're, they're basically just saying, you know what, I'm fine to just go vote on, on voting day. I know people are going to vote alongside me. And I do think we're going to see this manifest itself in the mayoral campaign with, uh, with Jeremy Farr. I think Jeremy Farkas is far more popular in the city of Calgary um, and has far more electoral power than people are willing to admit uh, because we're just not seeing the signage represented because people are like, listen, I don't want the fight, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to exercise my vote. So I think it is the the 2016 Trump vote, right? It's the 2016. Absolutely. We don't want to be identified, but we will vote for you. But we Uh, will just 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 interrupt. Absolutely right. It is uh, close to the top of the hour, and uh, according to CBC Votes, which we will be changing from time to time to see what other ones, the Liberals are leading, uh, they have gained a potential four seats leading and elected. Uh, the Conservatives have lost ground in three seats. The New Democrats have gained three, and the Bloc have gained, uh, lost four. Right now, leading and elected at 758. 66 Liberals are leading and elected. Conservatives are 34 leading and elected. New Democrats 10 leading and elected. Uh, Bloc Quebecois 7 leading and elected. And in Gatineau that one lonely green is leading and elected. Um, okay. So we're seeing some numbers Leading come in but not elected. Uh, what is your area? In the, oh, my mother just texted me and asked me what is the area in my election. What? Watch the Aww. podcast. What? Watch the podcast, mother, and you'll find yeah, out. Yeah, mom. <laughs> um, if these numbers hold up, if Wild Atlantic Canada was good, I know these are still early results. This might what happened in Atlantic Canada might have been just a blip for the conservatives. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a few things of a few things of note here. Um, you know, as of right now, the People's Party is outperforming the Greens. They're at four and a half percent of the vote. That's thirty-seven thousand Canadians that have placed their vote in the PPC. You know, Greens with three percent of the vote are twenty-five thousand Canadians. Um, we are seeing the Liberals pull away. We expected to see them pull away. They have strong performance in Ontario, so this is not this is not where the runaway begins. Um, where I think we should play some surprise is in what's happening with the block. What what yeah. is happening with the block at a loss of at a loss of four seats now? Um, Chris, can you tell us where those votes are have been reappropriated? I, I, I right now they're all seem to be going to the NDP. So in uh, Bertha Mascaconia, Ruth Ellen Barassa, who is the former well liked NDP MP, is yes well out in advance with a whopping six votes to four votes. Uh, this is a writing <laughs> that I'll be watching yet again. We're getting into that one polls and all that. Uh, up in the north, Romeo. I forget how to pronounce his last name, ran for the leadership of the NDP, uh, Northern Quebec MP, uh, Atiba Bay James Nunavik EU. Uh, the NDP are uh, polling well in that area as well. So yet again, these numbers are still, 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 still well early. We are still only eight o'clock. Polls have been closed for an half hour, and these are the numbers that are coming in. We have lots of time to make up. 
Oh, and we've oh, got oh. lots of conservatives in the West. Yeah. So I, I can report on this one because there's more than one poll that's been called. Edmonton <laughs> Center, Randy Bossano is out to a lead of about 40 votes with four votes polling. That's Edmonton Center. And then down in. And he is the candidate for which party? Just to. Just to- Liberals. And then down yes. in Calgary Skyview with one poll reporting, George DeHaul, the liberal candidate, is out to a three to one lead. Three for the liberals, one for the independent Lee Awkward. So I'm assuming Lee Awkward voted for themselves. In yes. the See, this is this business of the this is the business of the of the one the one poll. Like you just really never know um, what you're what you're dealing with there. Um, I um brasso am i saying it right yeah. uh the ndp candidate you yeah. know there was a question that was asked today if you if you could see one person from not from your own party be reelected into their riding who who would you pick and i chose john aldeg from cloverdale langley city um to 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 return from for the uh, into the liberal seat and and to take it away from conservative Tamara Jansen in that writing who her and I have a lot of beef and um, but Brasso was the resounding choice um, all all over from a lot of people who said you know she's not my candidate but God it feels good to see her as an MP and for those who don't remember just a little bit of a history lesson for you uh, for my the viewers and to the listeners uh, Ruth was a uh, Ruth Allen was elected in 2011 in the NDP orange crush of Quebec back for those who really don't remember and this is the political geek in me and who can remember this but can't remember his own goddamn freaking cell phone number um ruth ellen barrasso was in vegas for two weeks of the campaign she had actually left the country because she had scheduled a campaign already she did not live in the riding but she was well Liked. She won in 2011. I think she was reelected in 2015 and the defeated in 2019. Um, Singh has been wanting to get her back into the benches since uh, 2019. She was playing coy. And then a week into the election, she tweeted out big news coming. And then she announced that she was running for reelection. So this is a riding that I will be watching because she is well liked. And she if the NDP do well there, they might have a good night in Quebec. But let's be honest right now. It doesn't look like that's probably going to be the case. So there's my there's my tidbit for the day. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I feel Brown's like it work. should have been. I feel like it should have been a heritage moment. Like there should have been intro music. Like we should have paused and. Um. So uh, it is eight oh two, and yet again, I'm not going to keep on doing this throughout the night. But eighty two leading in elected liberals, forty for the conservatives, fourteen fourteen for the bloc and the NDP, and one for the green. Um, this is still early results, and we are still only a half hour into this. Uh, I'm going to say this because I just ran out of water, and I'm realizing I have very bad dry mouth right now. Uh, we will be back in about fifteen minutes. We'll be actually in about ten minutes. We'll be back at eight fifteen. 
screen. I'm going to update some graphics, make sure that we have everything that we need. Uh, oh, okay. We have someone who just tweeted at us, uh, watch our podcast, watch our live stream. So thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, but we will be back at 8.15 uh, with some more results, some more in-depth analysis, and then some better graphics because I will have updated graphics by my head. Uh, Jen, thank you okay. so much for everyone. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, I just want to make sure I do this correctly now. We're back. Uh, sorry, we took a little bit longer. We were just getting everything ready. Uh, I just want to give a quick update uh, since we've left. And this was about two seconds ago, and I just looked down, and now this all changed. But uh, the graphics, because I'm doing this by myself, we are liberals leading and elected 101, conservatives 51 leading and elected in the NDP column. There's 19, and the Bloc Quebecois are leading and elected in 15. I want to bring back the best person this show has ever in- invited onto the show. Actually, that's untrue because I can't Whoa! That because everyone's going to say that. But Jen Sanford, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this once again. Yeah, great to be here, Chris. So just um, to put those numbers into like a, a real tangible place, um, yeah. that is a liberal gain of 10 seats, a conservative loss of 10 seats. So uh, flips there. Um, Bloc Québécois have lost three seats from the last election and a gain to the New Democrats of three seats. So obviously not the outcome that conservatives were looking for, Um they're going to have to pull off kind of a miracle here. This is a this is a mighty duck selection board now. Um, so the biggest well, there's two big news stories out of these initial numbers. One is the NDP. The NDP are p- performing an hour and eighteen minutes into this election, the counting better than I think a lot of people uh, predicted. They're at about 16% of the share of the vote of the uh, ballots that have been cast and counted so far. The other biggest news story that I'm looking at right now, and I I still can't believe this, is the Green Party of Canada at 2.8%. If that number holds, Annamie Paul's done. I don't. Yeah, I mean, enemy Paul's done any anyway, Chris. But you have to appreciate that, like, you just like run the tail of the tape of the numbers backward. There's 35 million Canadians. will say that I don't on a good day where 40 percent of us will vote. We're seeing you know two two point eight percent of that public. That's thirty thousand um, Canadians voting. Just to put that in perspective, that's like one half of one quadrant of Edmonton. Yeah. Right. That's two really big subdivisions in Edmonton. And that feels really interesting to me because such an important election issue was the environment. Right. We talked about, you know, we now have two political parties that focused a lot on carbon taxation. Not a lot of them focused on greenhouse gas emissions. Both uh, parties have been accused of, of, of one not setting benchmarks. The other one is setting benchmarks too low. There was really an inviting environment, a warm, succulent environment for someone to say, this is how I believe that we can counterbalance economic growth and environmental stability and really a, a compelling case for us as a civic society. And those three things can intermix with this plan. Um, and that plan just was simply not sold to Canadians. I agree. Um, 
if the Greens had a chance of winning a few more seats, this was the election. And I, uh, your spirit animal, Miss Jenny Bird, said it best as well. This is the election that Trudeau should lose. This was the election that, out of any election that he's run beforehand, 2019, 2015, this was the one for him to lose. If these numbers hold, and yet again, this is still early days, and I just want to go back to the numbers, 41% of the uh, ballots cast or counted right now for the Liberals, 31 for the Conservatives. That number is going to shrink. But if these numbers hold, Aaron O'Toole is a one-term, one-election leader. I don't care uh, how, yeah, he's, how you have to spin that, but yeah. So to be really concrete with those numbers, because if, if people are listening to us and they're not following along um, with the, with the math yeah. of you need 170 seats to become a majority government. So that's the, that's the ticket to ride 170 and the government is yours and passing bills becomes a very fun experience for you. And you get to be a, a majority and then you get to ride out four fun years. Yeah. So 170 is the magic number. If we count the amount of seats that have been called and the amount of seats that they're leading, this is the tail of the tape. Liberals at 130. So you need 170 and they're 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 elected or leading in 130. O'Toole at 65. Bloc Québécois at 25. New Democrats at 17. This is this is not just a problem for the conservatives, which it let's be clear, it is a problem. This is not where they wanted to be tonight. If Aaron O'Toole is watching the CBC, he's not happy. Uh, but it's also a really a really bad showing for the Bloc Québécois, and it is a good showing for Jagmeet Singh, who I think both Chris and I thought would maybe be running his last um, election as the leader of the NDP. I didn't have a lot of faith in him. Now, as a conservative, I'm very far um, ideologically for um, uh, from the, the the New Democrats, but you have to give credit where credit is due. And there is a pretty good performance um, from Jagmeet Singh. I mean, he's leading in, in 17 ridings. He has not been acclaimed as the elected winner of any, but he is leading strongly in the 17 ridings with a lot of with a lot of polls reporting. And and where he's leading are in spaces that are taking away from the Bloc Québécois. And that's and that's interesting that they're making some interesting inroads in Quebec because they did lose a seat in Atlantic Canada where they where they held a seat that that split and there was lots of gains for conservatives there. So some good surprises on the map today and a nice, big, good credit um, to demonstrate that just like we saw in the United States, uh, polling is not <laughs> always a, a critical indicator of, of where uh, Canadians are going to vote on voting day. Lots of surprises here, Chris. What do you think? There is a lot of surprises. And the uh, the last one I want to talk about for a second before we turn to some writing by writing results here is that People's Party vote. Um, I expected it to be in the high 10%, but right now we're roughly about 4.5%, which is about four times the amount that they got in the last election. Um, uh, this... This doesn't bode well for the conservative camp. If all the conservative, if if I am to believe that all the conservatives who are pissed off at Aaron O'Toole for some flip flops went to the People's Party of Canada, it's not a good night for him for some of the rural areas. It's not going to flip a lot of seats, but it could mean one or two seats like Calgary Skyview could be in really good play for the Liberal Party. So that's the other area I want to talk about. Um, I. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at this map as as numbers come in 
And I am shocked at where people are leading and where, where people are elected. And I, I, I don't know what to say here because I, I was expecting it to be closer. Like you said, you can't believe polls anymore, can you? Well, you know, I've 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 been talking about polling deficits for a long time. Um, as someone who studied politics in the United States, I I was I was part of that 2016 infrastructure when, you know, a lot of people were were talking about what Hillary Clinton was going to wear on on inauguration day, and and different data sets were saying you have to pay attention to the to the momentum of um, of, of 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 Donald Trump. Where I where I think we have to really be honest. And I think if reality therapy is an important element of that, then let's begin here. A lot of people don't feel comfortable to self-identify anymore with their political leanings, right? It's a, it's a bit of a, of a, of a repeat of what we're experiencing in our vaccine environment, right? Someone saying like, Oh, I've made the decision not to be vac- vaccinated, you know, or in some rural dose. areas, I got my first hey, congratulations. <laughs> or in some very rural areas, people being a little bit afraid to identify that they have been vaccinated because there's an anti-vaccination sort of sentiment in their community. So I think people from a sense of conformity and 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 I, if I can throw out a communication theory, social proof theory would teach us that sometimes we don't always feel comfortable to self-identify and be completely transparent in how we choose to vote, either by not participating in polling or not being transparent in polling or by allowing polling samples that are both um, inconsistent in their validity and representation to become mainstream news. I think that's the other thing we have to look at. If you see a polling Um, sample, 45 people, it's not statistically reliable. No. And even if you see a polling sample of about 700 people, you have to look at the margin of error and always look at the margin of error. I want to take a moment right now and just talk about that 2019 election. I I love graphs. I love, uh, I love talking about graphs, but at the beginning of this election, uh, we'll, we'll actually let's go back to 2019 here for a second. We're just going to pull up a graphic. In 2019, the party standing was 157 MPs for the Liberals, 121 for the Conservatives, 24 for the NDP, 32 for the Bloc, three MPs for the Green, and one MP for the Independent. At dissolution, at the time that Justin Trudeau walked to Mary Simon's house in Rideau Hall and asked the Governor General for dissolution of the par- of party. Parliament, 155 Liberals, 119 uh, uh, Conservatives, 24 NDP, 32 Bloc, 2 Green, and 5 Independents. Now those, I think three of them were Liberals, former Liberals who were kicked out. One was Derek Sloan and one was Jody Wilson-Raybould. This means the Liberals need to pick up 15 seats to win that coveted 170. The... Uh, conservatives need 51 seats. The NDP need 146 and the Greens need 168 seats to win. Doesn't look like that <laughs> yeah, happen anytime. Just 168 seats. I'm being generous to them. We have seen weirder things happen, a.k.a. the 2015 Alberta election. With that, I want to also talk, take a moment and talk about that vote. The vote total. Over six, uh, six million 18,728 votes went to the Liberals at 32.12%. The Conservatives did get a larger share of the vote in 2019. Mm-hmm. They got 6,239,227 at 34.34% of the vote. Looking at these numbers that I, I, you and I are both watching, 
I know there was some talk that this could be a repeat of 2019 and the conservatives could potentially win some seats and have a bigger share than they did last time, but still lose government. Um, I'm going to break it here right now. CBC is calling the liberals will form government. The liberals will win re-election and form government. Looking at the numbers that they're looking at, 134 seats leading an elected. CBC, yet again, I'm not CBC, but I, I trust them as the news sources. And Jen is looking at some polls numbers. Justin Trudeau is going back to 24 Sussex Cottage because he doesn't live in 24 Sussex. Jen? Isn't that pretty enough? What the hell happened? Let's get your reaction right here, right now. Wow. Oh, I'm so dis- I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. I I'm so disappointed that this is what happened. I liked Aaron O'Toole's campaign, and I think that he fought a really hard campaign. Um, I liked that he had policy ideas. Um, I'm frustrated that he continues to trip over uh, the nature of who controls the Conservative Party. And I hope that they have a hot wash where heads roll. Because I liked this team. I liked how he put this together. I like how he presented himself to be a man of dignity. And I just... Like, I wish I could find a partner that loves me the way Canadians love Justin Trudeau. It's this unconditional. No, 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 no. I'm going to challenge you on that. It's not Canadians who love Justin Trudeau. It's liberals who love Justin Trudeau. But, you know, ultimately, you know, it's Canadians that went out and voted. Right. So it's, you know, people giving them their vote. I think that this does demonstrate that, you know, Canadians are in a an, in an unconscious battle between political ideas and how we spend a hundred billion dollars. There are a lot of people who stood to gain financially uh, from Justin Trudeau's policies, and he used those groups to to buy their vote, and 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 that will be something that um, you know will frustrate conservatives for a long time. Um, so there it is. There's the narrative, right? It didn't matter what Maxime Bernier did. It didn't matter what the Maverick Party did. It just mattered that you were fighting Justin Trudeau and you couldn't you couldn't knock him out. You couldn't beat him. And that's frustrating it- because, like I said, I just sound like a broken record. I liked the campaign that Aaron O'Toole ran. I thought it was a campaign of dignity. I think that those two had a responsibility to debate each other harder without the ridiculous noise of fringe parties and whatever that was from Yves-Francois Blanchet in the English debate. Um, but I does think, it, you know, does Aaron O'Toole have to step down. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm actually shocked. I'm, I, I'm, I am shocked that it took two hours into this election to be able to call that. Well, I did say whatever it was going to be, it was going to be called early. I did actually make a joke that we'd be talking about my dating life. I don't want to talk about my dating life in for the record. Hour four. Um, we're not even <laughs> in hour two yet. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, yeah. I it's I, yeah. 
I, this is terrible because it's live and I feel like I'm grappling for the right thing to say. Well, um, Calgary Mintaport, I'm not sure if anyone noticed the sign change behind me. Uh, Stephanie Cussey, uh has been declared elected in Calgary, Minnipore, uh, Grameet. No surprises there. No, which is, uh, for those who are watching and listening, uh, our fearless premier's old riding, Jason Kenny. So uh, she is going back to Ottawa. She is probably not happy that it's a liberal government, but it is going back. Calgary Skyview, we're still waiting on numbers there. It's going to be a long night there. Edmonton Centre... Randy Bossano is still leading for the Liberals. I just want to make sure that I keep on saying Stephanie Cussie is the. I, hopefully, I'm pronouncing her name right. If I'm Cussie, yeah. I, I do apologize. Um, there is a riding that I want to talk about for a second in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon West. Um, for those who don't know. Uh, Aaron Weir was the former uh, NDP MP for Saskatoon West. He was accused of sexual harassment while as an MP. He was kicked out. He became an independent CCF. And now the NDP are looking to take that back by Robert Duchette. Robert Duchette is currently leading for the NDP in Saskatoon West over Brad Redekop, the conservative incumbent, by 120 votes. That is still early. There's only three polls reporting but this is a riding that we are going to want to watch um i can say that the people's party is not a factor in that riding at all <sighs> so that just took the wind out of my sail by being able to call an election two hours into this but uh, yeah so we are 8 33 mountain standard time Justin Trudeau is heading back with a reduced minority, probably. Jen, I'm going to throw it back to you for a second because I'm still looking at some of these numbers and the 905, the 416 is still a liberal stronghold. Yeah, absolutely. If Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives can't win the 416 and the 905, what, what do the Conservatives need to do to win suburban Ontario? You know, it's environment, um, it's childcare, and on both of those issues, they were not strong enough in being able to key message it out, right? A lot of people said like, oh, on childcare, $10 a day is an easy policy to understand. $10 a day is $10 a day. The conservative childcare plan had a lot of creative solutions to deal with parents that didn't have that standard nine to five schedule and they couldn't get on those talking points. Instead, it was just like, well, it's still a tax subsidy. And then people, you know, they do the math and they just think this is this policy is too complicated. I don't want to do math. I just want ten dollars a day. And on the environment, I mean, I like elements of the conservative environmental plan. As you know, as someone who comes from the environmental space, I didn't think it went far enough to actually address elements of innovation, a pathway through the marketplace, an opportunity to actually address like carbon reduction, use natural infrastructure, natural green infrastructure to build disaster resiliency, looking at, you know, how, you know, storm surges, you know, affects, you know, our areas, subsidence, all of those messages would have resonated, but instead it was just like, oh, you want to carbon tax now too well then i'm going to stick with the liberals because at least it's the devil that i know and then when you can't get you can't get your party to get that environmental plan down to one two three key messages it becomes a miserable experience at the door i agree um 
what? So much how, of this how, is messaging. How, how, Sorry, Chris. I, so no, much of this do, is messaging. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. The end, the, the conservatives were heading to a minority government. And then they tripped over the gun messaging. Do you think that resonated with voters when Aaron O'Toole flip-flopped on the gun messaging as well? Yeah, it's it's not about flip-flopping. It's about a lack of a like a common a common ad because I mean conservatives really championed you even saw it today on election day this whole idea that we go forward they go backward it's and I've talked about this line of mess this line of of logic on my podcast ad nauseum it's available for your for your you know information and digest but the the problem is is that the way you combat that is to say it's not technically correct policy we have a problem with how handguns get into major metropolitan areas we're going to address handguns we have a problem with purchasing loopholes. We're going to close those loopholes. We have a problem with how we prosecute people who illegally sell guns. We're going to be disciplined to get that. This is technically correct policy. Going after people's hunting rifles isn't technically correct policy. Going after handguns that are stolen and shoot people in metropolitan areas in gang violence is exactly the type of policy that we need to go after. Ours yields a change. But instead, it's just they they get crowded with this whole, like, I want to support the gun lobby. And I know that rural people have hunting, you know, and they go in, you know, and they, you know, sport hunting and, you know, I can't be seen as, you did not need to get bogged down in your own message. You needed to talk about what is the greatest threat to, to gun violence. It's this, this, and this, and our policy addresses this, this, and this, and don't fall for a narrative otherwise. End of story. That's gun violence. It's the same thing on this vaccine on this vaccine thing. Why couldn't he step into the message in a, in a meaningful way to say, listen, I want everyone to be vaccinated. I want everyone to be vaccinated. And when someone tells me they're not vaccinated, my only question that I ask them is, what will it take to get you vaccinated? But it's important to note that we are a country where people have freedoms and and forcing people to be vaccinated isn't what is quintessentially Canadian, creating a program where we have information and persuasion and and an opportunity and a place for them to own their self-efficacy to say, oh, my God, I need to be vaccinated if I'm going to be a participant in society and I'm going to be someone who's working toward a common goal. That's the kind of leader I want. That's what we call adaptive leadership. Right. And I think that's what the frustration was, is that why couldn't he say that message? Instead, he's like, oh, I don't want to disclose who is I want to respect privacy. Then you're just dogged by that all the time. What you have to say is that I want to be a prime minister where people trust the information coming out of the prime minister's office. We have have experts that speak in a credible manner. We don't have this AstraZeneca bullshit that creates disinformation. We fight disinformation from people who are spelling rumors that are not true. And my goal is not to force you to be vaccinated because that's anti-Canadian. My job is to persuade you to be vaccinated because you know that's what's in our collective good best interest. And that is leadership. And every other argument is unacceptable to me, full stop. So that's what I'm talking about. Is it where's the fight? Where's the bite back? Where's the, hey, Justin, are the two Michaels going to be home for Christmas? Tell me why. Oh, no, I'm getting mad. Are the two Michaels going to be home for Christmas? And also tell me why Australia, the UK and the US are coming up with a China strategy and your phone didn't even ring. Well, tell me why we participate in the G7. And if it went down to G6, we're out. Those are the questions that should have been demanded. 
And they weren't. Well, that plus we have France now recalling their ambassador to uh, Australia and uh, uh, the United States because France was pissed off that they didn't get the submarines as well. Gonna be a fun. I think it just- uh, oh, well, actually, let's talk about that. Let's let's do a little pitch here. Um, so for those who ha- are a regular listener of my show, you will know that Jennifer Sanford and I like to talk politics. Starting October twenty seventh, <laughs> the last Wednesday of each month, moving forward, we are we are going to be talking about one issue, and that is literally going to be crossing borders. And that is what Jen. What are we gonna to be talking about on the cross-border interview podcast well we're going to be going if this is the cross-border podcast then we have to start going across all borders so i think that while we've talked about municipal politics we've talked about federal politics we've talked about provincial politics what we've never really talked about is international politics and we are at an incredibly precarious moment where canada has to figure out what its brand international looks like so what does canada's approach to afghanistan look like what does canada's approach in the united nations look like those are the things that we need to unpack if we're going to do this sort of across all borders thing and that's the conversation that we're going to be having and I'm I'm for, I'm really actually quite excited to to broaden this to broaden the scope of our of our political uh I don't know what do we call it I honestly thought you were gonna say dynamo. for a second I thought you were gonna say for a second I, I I'm really looking forward to broadening your listeners her uh viewpoints because as the <laughs> former liberal you gotta broaden the liberal viewpoint I am just looking at some of the writings here as they come in yet again no major metropolitan area in Alberta has been called yet. Um, Edmonton Griesbach, a riding that the NDP are looking to pick up, are leading uh, a a well in ahead of Kerry Diot, the conservative incumbent. This is a riding that Jagmeet Singh has basically camped out in a few times when he's been in Edmonton. So if Blake De, uh, Des Jarless wins this riding, it's going to be a big win for the NDP in uh, Alberta, because this is now sending probably Edmonton Strathcona is going to be another riding that the NDP keep in their column. But if they can crack that blue wall that is Edmonton's uh, stri- stranglehold federally, then Jason Kennedy needs to have a hard conversation with himself as well. I'm uh, just just looking around at some of the other ridings. Edmonton Strathcona is currently uh, in the conservative column. Calgary Nose Hill, Miss Michelle Rempel Gardner, Miss ND, or Miss Conservative Health Critic has uh, been elected uh, to another term in office. She is probably one that I would watch uh, for in a leadership race if she decides to throw her hat in the ring. Is there any writings that you're looking at right now that you're shocked at? Oh. I should mention this because this was a writing that you wanted to talk about is Peterborough Kawartha, uh, Minister of Women. Uh, Miss Mariam Monsef is currently trailing the conservative candidate in that riding, Ooh. not by a lot, but she is trailing in that riding. Um, it looks like. And I'm saying this in all respect. It looks like we are heading to a very urban rural divide in Canadian politics, people. Yeah, we sure are. Conservatives are going to do well. And if that's the case, get ready for a long period of liberal minority governments. 
Yeah, I mean, I again, I want to see more polling. We still have to see what's going to happen. I really, really want to see what's going to happen in the lower mainland of of BC. I hope you'll hang with us as we as we do this. But let's do the comparison to twenty nine uh, twenty nineteen um, to to twenty twenty one today. So if we're looking at the <laughs> If we're looking at the numbers, which are still moving, and let's yeah. be clear that they are still moving. Um, in 2019, let me just get my notes organized here. In 2019, Liberals had 157. 2021, we're at 145. So again, not everything has been reported. Not everything is in. We still have, have BC, but this is a very strong performance. 157 was what they formed government with in 2019. We're at 145 now. Conservatives, 121 to 118. And that is a striking thought to me, because if you compare Andrew Scheer and how much even conservatives were like, I can't believe I have to go vote for this guy. <laughs> and then I you've have got to go Aaron vote O'Toole. for the American over blackface. <laughs> <go> wow. <laughs> yeah. And then you see Aaron O'Toole, who who really ran a, a, a quite a different campaign around political ideas and and policies that tried to be really responsive and technically correct and politically supportable and and have public salience and were scalable across the country. I think that's the other piece. So 121 to one um, to 117. And then the block, 32 in the last election to 29 today. So we have to wonder how much the endorsement from Francois Legault for Aaron O'Toole um, played a role in, in harming that party a little bit, because they're not going to be happy with that. I remember um, early interviews this morning saying 30, 30 is the expected number. So to see them fall a little bit short of that at 29 is is will be disheartening for the block. Um, NDP. 24 in the last election, leading in 27 today. So that's got to be a bit of a feather in the cap of of, of Jagmeet Singh. Um, he'll be, I think he'll be pleased with that performance, especially where the pickup occurred. Um, and I think that that will, you know, renew his dynamic force that he will bring to um bring to the house of commons he's going to be a he's going to be a player now um jagmeet singh has the enviable position to prop up the government i mean i always i say this after every election if you listen to my podcast i I apologize to interrupt we don't know if he's going to prop up the government because as we're talking we are 19 seats short of a majority government for the liberals yet again that is true This could still come down to this now becomes a game of can Aaron O'Toole do worse in areas where Andrew Scheer did good in lower mainland B.C. And if that's the case, we are headed to a majority government and we have Justin Trudeau as prime minister of Canada for the next three years. Four years. That's right. Even as I. I say three years because he does not want four years. He will he will bow out before the next election. Yeah, I think so. I do think that this is the last election of, of Trudeau. Yeah, even just as we were talking, we went from 145 to 151, which is always the, the danger of these types of podcasts. But, you know, if the NDP does wind up propping them up, you have to imagine like what an enviable position that is. That is such a small fraction of votes that carries such a critical balance of power. Like that is the really phenomenal thing about the federal NDP party. Um, you know, Greens twenty uh, in 2019 at three, at two today, uh, and that's just leading, not elected. Uh, well, and then, of th- course, it just changed to three. <laughs> oh, look at that. Look at that. But I want to talk. I want to take a moment here because 
you you kept on harking at me that this was not an issue. I want to go back to 2019's vote total. The People's Party of Canada had 294,000 votes. That was 1.6% of the share. As of this moment, as of 847, the People's Party of Canada, with only 19% of the polls across Canada reporting, is at 112,000 votes. 114. This... I, I, I am sorry. I know there's probably a portion of that that is the Liberals and the NDP, but that is Aaron O'Toole right there. That is moderate conservatism right there, if you ask me. That went to the PPC party. Moderate, moderate conservatism. Moderate, moderate, moderate conservative leaders make social conservatives pissed off. And that number would have been lower if Andrew Scheer was still leader. Okay. I don't share that point of view. I I don't share that point of view. Once again, I think these are just outlier voters, people who have been apathetic. I do think it's some conservatives that have that have reimagined, but I, I think it's a lot of, you know, apathetic voters, first time voters, people who have reemerged from somewhere because there's um, there, but there is a small percentage of this that is a rebuke of, of Aaron O'Toole. But when you see how far behind he is, you know that really he didn't lose a fight because Maxim Bernier stole it from him. He lost a fight because he didn't mount enough of a of a campaign against Justin Trudeau. Well, I, I'm assuming you, you you are on the Twitterverse and I'm assuming our listeners are as well. Um and FYI, we're going to be bringing in someone here at the top of the hour at 9.15. Uh, former NDP MLA, uh, Deborah Drever, is going to come on for about 15 minutes. She wants to come on and talk about the uh, results. And I just want to get from a NDP perspective how she sees it. Uh, so I just want to make sure that I talk about that. Hold on. I literally talk for a second. I, my computer just froze. Ah! <laughs> Chris is in panic mode. You know what? This actually happened to me in 2019. I paused my computer and I like went and made myself a sandwich and it was a whole thing. And then when I got back and unpaused my computer and moved it to where we were, it was like, we declare a minority government for the liberals. I was like, how long was I making that sandwich? <laughs> did, did, did I lose something? Am I completely out of... <sighs> okay. Okay. Um... <laughs> I, I want to go back to this for a second. So you know your screen is still on the vote totals, right? Not anymore. Not anymore. Oh, gonna, is it just come, behind? Yeah, there's about a about a thirty second delay here. I want to take oh, cool. a moment and I ask ask this. But thanks for following along. Greatly appreciate it. Um, okay. I, I so I'm here to help, buddy. I know you. You seem to be. While we are still waiting for the minority and majority government to be called, uh, I think we are both looking at a minority government here, just looking at the numbers as, as they come in. Who's the winner of tonight? Like, is there Justin a winner? Justin Trudeau. But yeah, Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, because he was like, you know what? We've asked people to sacrifice. We've asked people to stay home. We've asked people to, you know, we've asked people to just do some pretty isolating things. We've taken a really hard toll on their mental health. But now I need something. And once again, I'm second to my own rules. So let's have a let's have a pandemic election. Seemingly Canadians were all pissed off about it. And then we reward him with a with a return back to the to uh, to his cottage. Is there any uh, scenario in which 
Aaron O'Toole stays on, if he does the exact same as uh, Andrew Shear, does he stay on or are the knives out? Because this is where I was getting with my statement before I, my computer froze. You, you're on Twitter. You saw the news out of the uh, out of the Toronto Star today. I'm assuming that the co-chair of mm-hmm. the Conservative Party of Canada, Aaron O'Toole's lieutenant, basically said a win for the Conservatives is holding Justin Trudeau to the, a minority government, which he later tried to walk back. But the reporter said, no, that's what you said. Yeah, so whatever. Everybody says something stupid on the day before an election. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really care about his talking heads. What I care about is the fact that what other type of campaign could he mount? He mounted a campaign where it was policy driven. It was about political ideas. He really did give it everything he had. This was not a blistering like everything went wrong, which I do think happened to the liberals. I think they ran a terrible campaign. And so I, I don't I think Aaron tool gave it everything he had this is who i am this is what i stand for this is what i want to be this is what i want to do this is the vision i hold for this country these are my moral values and if that didn't resonate with canadians absolutely not and you also have to remember that what conservatives do super well are two things one give a disproportionately loud voice to social conservatives and two eat their young and that is what will happen tomorrow. Michelle Rempel-Gardner, Pierre uh, Polivar, uh, Michael Chong. It's their campaign start tomorrow. Well, I'm pretty sure Pierre Polivar started the day the election was called with. he. Yeah, in, the- every, in every one of his video campaigns that he released, it was fighting for you. Not, no mention of Aaron O'Toole. No mention of nope. secure the future. The, it the was brand was you. different. Yeah. The brand was different. The tone was different. He was totally an outlier candidate. He was the same kind of outlier candidate as I am employee. <laughs> like just, oh, Jennifer's doing her own thing over there. Off brand, but on message. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at the writing results right now for Hastings, Lennox and Addington. And that is the writing that Derek Sloan used to represent before he decided to move out to Banff Airdrie. His wife is currently the candidate there as well, running as an independent. She has 47 uh, votes at 1%. Yet again, this is still only 30 out of 203 polls. But Shelby Cramp Newman is uh, the conservative uh, candidate and she is winning over Mike Bossio, the former MP who Derek Sloan beat in 2019. Uh, Just for some uh, background information, Shelby Cramp is the daughter of the MLA or MPP in Ontario, Daryl Cramp, who used to be the former MP for Prince Edward, uh, Prince Edward Hastings, which is part of this riding. So um, Shelby Cramp Newman is going to take the Hastings Lennox uh, Addington vote or seat probably for the Conservatives in that riding. Uh, the Liberals were hoping to pick that up, but it does not look like they're going to. Uh, Prince Edward Bay of Quinty, which is my old stomping ground as well. I've ran numerous campaigns in that area. Um, Neil Ellis, former Belleville mayor is currently the liberal incumbent he is being defeated by ryan williams who is the uh the son of the former mayor of uh, Trenton, Ontario. So that is a very interesting election that I've been watching. Uh, He's the conservative. It looks like uh, Mr. Ellis is going to be a two-term MP. These are 
So remember how we were talking earlier about the percentage of votes that Greens have? This was about, I don't know, 40 minutes ago. We talked about yeah. how they had 40,000 votes. And that was a, that was about the size of two very large communities um, in Alberta or or BC. It's important to note that that 40,000 vote margin is now the difference between the amount of votes for the Liberal Party and the amount of votes for the Conservatives. Uh, 40,000 is all that is all that separates them. One and a half percent, just to put that in in, in more um, a statistically relevant, 35 percent of Canadians who voted have cast their confidence in Justin Trudeau's government. 33 and a half for Aaron O'Toole. So we can be pretty hard on the campaign that Aaron O'Toole ran. And believe me, conservatives will be. Um, but it's important to note that one and a half percent divides um, our country at, at a time where we feel very divided and we are so we wake up tomorrow morning what's the first thing jason kenny has to do jason kenny yep because he has be he is the reason why we're in this mess i believe because i think a lot of people from ontario might have said hey what justin trudeau is saying is correct i don't want aaron o'toole across the seat uh, across the seat from uh jason kenny but jason kenny implementing the mandatory vaccine passports does jason kenny have to suck up to justin trudeau for the next two years or does he continue no. on with his i hate justin trudeau campaign Oh, no, it'll it'll absolutely continue because it's there's no incentive for the two to work together now. I mean, clearly nobody's fighting for Albertans. So what is their incentive to work together? They don't have a shared goal. They don't have a shared goal in the interest of the residents of Alberta. Right. Um, so, no, absolutely not. First of all, it's not on brand for them to do that. And it's and it's both ways. Right. Justin Trudeau has no interest in being like, hey, how can I really extend an olive branch to Alberta? I, I, we've been in, we've been in non element non-issue non-factor for him since the since the beginning i <laughs> just since the beginning so yeah if i'm jason kenny i'm just going to do what jason kenny does i'm gonna i'm gonna tread water and i'm going to try to govern unilaterally and then i'm going to you know try to fend off a leadership review that's that's incredibly eminent i think the does, bigger question is does Aaron what does, does the next jason Ke- does jason kenny jump to federal politics to get away from the shit show that is alberta politics that is about to come his way well we've talked about this that you know there's a quite a good consensus that the belief was always that he was going to run for premier save alberta and then get on his white horse and ride all the way uh, back to uh back to sussex but uh you know that dream has died because he won't have the support of his own province there's just too much political collateral there's just it's a wasteland now of 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 just uh you know you know a lack of political goodwill um from from voters to jason kenney and that that now has national profile right um the bigger question I think that has to be asked, maybe I'll take this to my own podcast, is what does the next conservative leader do with Jason Kenney? Right? Because you've got to kind of say, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? I do think Jason Kenney's poor management of the fourth wave of COVID-19 cost conservatives dearly. Now, I still think all these ridings in Calgary and and Edmonton and and certainly rurally in Alberta are still going to go blue. And like you said, 
it doesn't matter how many people vote in a riding. You just have to have one more than the than the other party. Um, but that's no longer an acceptable excuse, because what happens is when you have such such a dismal national profile, it does bleed into other writings. And then it does allow the line of questioning or the question that you just used, which is other writings saying, I, I don't know about this Aaron O'Toole, but I don't want a Doug Ford. I don't want a Jason Kenny. I don't want a Scott Moe or a Brad Wall. I don't want those people. I don't want a Tamara Jansen. I don't want, you know what I mean? Like it just allows them to say, I don't, I don't want this. And, and, and then you get painted with that brand. You also have to remember that conservatives still sit in the shadow of American conservative conservatism, right? I think that it never gets enough time that they, they pass crippling, um, you know, abortion, you know, restrictions in the United States, right in the middle of this campaign. And that was brand conservative. And I think that that ekes over. I mean, we pers- we consume such a large amount of American news and it's coming at a time when so much American news is about conservatives are committed to destroying this country. Don't let it happen elsewhere. And then, of course, we had this the additional ridiculousness of Americans endorsing candidates. Um, Sorry, I I just want to jump in here for a second because this is just breaking as well. Um, Banff Airdrie, which is the home of Blake Richards, the conservative MP, has just been declared the winner, ending Derek Sloan's time as an MP. He came out here trying to win an election, and I'm looking at the initial results right now with only about 10% of the polls reporting. Derek Sloan is pulling underneath the Green Party of Canada. Well, there you go. So there is good news from tonight for conservatives, right? Because conservatives don't want Derek Sloan's voice or perspective to be reflected when they think about what conservatism is in this country. So that that's good news. That's a win. So. We're just going to talk about your favorite person as well here for a second. Tamara Jansen. God bless her. Cloverdale Langley. uh, With, again, about 10% of the polls reporting. John Aldich is out in the lead with a very slim 28 vote uh, lead over the conservatives, the liberal. There is no conser- there is no Green Party candidate in this election, in this uh, riding. So that's where I'm looking at where that green vote is going to go. But Cloverdale, Langley City, if the liberals want a majority government, they need to win this seat, especially with the losses that they did in Atlantic Canada. And as our listeners might remember, I am a staunch supporter of John Aldeg. Uh, he may be Aldeg. a liberal, but he he is a, a, he is a he has a conservative mind. I have someone who has sat across from him on more than one occasion and, and heard him speak. He has a conservative mind. And I think having him inside the liberal caucus is a smart maneuver because he is a bridge builder to say, you know, this is out of step with the momentum of Canadians. He has no issue in terms of of of, of really representing um, that writing. And I think it is vital as conservatives that we say Derek Sloan's vision and 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 values are 
out of step with Canadians and he cannot represent a conservative banner. And then we replicate that in Cloverdale Langley city by saying the same thing as Tamara Jansen, her rebuke of conversion therapy, uh, her unwillingness to, to, to look at progressive, especially progressive women's issues. She's so anti-abortion that it's absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying. She campaigns with pro Oh, go ahead. Go ahead for, my listen, for my listeners who might not know Tamara that well, I can give you two words that became famous with Tamara Jansen, and that is <laughs> lesbian activities. During the uh, conver- uh, le- during the conversion ban therapy, uh, th- the uh, conversion ban- therapy ban, uh, Tamara said that she knew a lesbian and she wanted the lesbian wanted to get rid of her uh, lesbian activities, so she went into conversion therapy. So Just ridiculous. Exactly. So that is uh, Tamara to a T. But uh, but I think it's also important to note that she's she's also very well backed um, by, you know, anti-abortion group that ARPA, which is like, you know, God tells us who the candidate should be. You know, she's she's just she's been so harmful um, to the. 